Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us here on the program as we bring you New Paradigms for a New World. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. They're not my choices. They might become mine, but they're the choices that others have come up with as the guests on this program. And a gentleman who's been on a number of times to share the ideas, the concepts, the philosophy, if you will, uh, that is joining us again is uh, Arthur Konigas. And uh, he is going to share with us, of course, uh, about um, the world is my country. The world is my country.com is the website. Here's Gary Davis. World citizen number one, Gary Davis. Gary Davis. Gary Davis. Gary Davis. Gary Davis. Gary Davis. Who, me? You are about to hear from an everyday man with an extraordinary life story. He was an actor, a song and dance man who leapt off the Broadway stage onto the world stage in 1948, taking on cops, border guards, armies, and whole nations, showing us that we don't have to be awed by their props of power and control. For 65 years, as a citizen of no nation, only the world, Gary Davis made his own props of freedom, demonstrating that we the people can tear down the walls of oppression and write our own story. We can build a world that is constructive for all and destructive to none. A world in which all of us can truly say, the world is my country. And uh, Arthur, it's great to have you back again. I, I can't tell you what a joy it is. And um, I know that in some instances, there are those who actually fear the ideas that you are presenting because they think it's going to bring about some catastrophic event. Uh, yeah. First of all, welcome. <laughs> well, I'm so glad to be on your show again, Richard. I love it because tell me your story. And you know, that is the key. Storytelling is what moves society. That's what that's what shapes the uh, uh, the various values we have. And in so in so many ways, uh, the challenges we have in the in the world are because people have a different story. And so people fight and kill each other over their story, one story or another story. And uh, if we can somehow get our stories aligned, uh, we can come together as a planet. So I like that, and I like you're talking about a new paradigm. So. That's perfect. <laughs> well, I mean, it's going to take that. I think it was, uh, was it not Einstein who made the comment that uh, you cannot solve the problems, I like to use the word challenges, uh, with the same consciousness that created them. And right now, it seems as though we still have that, kind. after decades, if not centuries, we still have that same consciousness, at least that same consciousness uh, of the powers that presently be. Yeah, I think what Einstein was, was saying was that you can't solve a problem at the same level at which it was created. We've got to step above that level and into, into a new way of thinking. And that's kind of really the key to why I fell in love with Gary's story. It's a it's an amazing story that's you know going out now on uh, it's going to going out it's going out it's been on over a hundred PBS stations coast to coast. And the world is my country is now going out. To 31 million homes on cable, uh, excuse me, on satellite TV, on the Dish and the Direct TV network, 
there was a, a primetime broadcast uh, uh, last night, and there's another one coming up the Sunday matinee at, at 1 Pacific time. Uh, we'll tell you more in the show about how you can uh, get to those and, and, and watch the show. Uh, but really, it's, a, it's an incredible story of, of one little guy who, uh, uh, a song and dance man of all people on Broadway, uh, who was so... Um, uh, who was so mortified when his own brother got killed in World War II and so mortified that he was bombing civilians and killing them and saying, why am I killing other people's brothers and lovers and, you know, families? I don't even know these people. And I'm here on this earth to entertain people and to make them laugh, not to blow them up. And then after the war, he sees the Hiroshima footage and he, and he says, my God, humanity's in trouble. Uh, what can I do? But I'm just an actor, a song and dance man. So what he does next is is is, is the big surprise that uh, makes this movie uh, really incredible. You want to hear about it? Well, we'll hear about that. I also understand uh, in modern days that uh, some rather prominent individuals are involved in this process. They're concerned about it. One in particular who actually participates uh, sort of in the introduction of the film, which I have seen, is uh, Martin Sheen. Yes, Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen, you know, uh, it took me over a year to get him to uh, connect to it and to and to and to be the the, the person who introduces Gary in the show, uh, because these people all have agents and managers whose job is to say no. Uh, but, but finally, uh, someone showed it to his wife and my my wife and I are are asleep in bed and late at night. I think it's around oh eleven thirty or so. Uh, we get a phone call. Who could be calling now? Arthur, is Martin Sheen here? I saw your movie. I fell in love with Gary. What can I do for you? So ever since, he's been uh, very, very helpful in in uh, in helping get this story out to the world. Now, obviously, he's he's one of of many as well. And the interesting thing is, there's an interesting parallel for me anyway, uh, in that <clears throat> I I had this this nudge shall we say uh, from the inside from my inner voice that said uh, Richard you know it's been 20 over 20 years since you uh, you know you applied for your very first passport your U.S. passport you need to go down to the post office and you need to go through the process you need to get your current passport and uh, and so forth and I thought okay and so I did and so I did and then as I'm doing this and I, I've certainly followed through uh I don't know what the universe has in store for me, so obviously it must be travel internationally. Uh, but it brought to mind you and and uh, the world is my country, and thinking, you know what, I I also should uh, uh, I should put the 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 wheels in motion and apply for that world passport because it will get me into uh, many countries who accept this particular passport, which is part of what uh, uh, what uh, this movie is all about and the story that you're going to share with us. Yes, well, uh, it is it is is a remarkable story, and uh, uh, and we will get to the world passport part of it. But let me tell you a little bit more about the uh, the beginning of the story and what took Gary into uh, becoming the inventor and creator of the world passports. And mm -hmm. and that is that, uh, uh, as I mentioned, he was he was he was agonized over over his own. He, he said. You know, why wasn't I arrested for killing people in their homes and schools and factories? Why weren't the people who killed my brother arrested? And it finally came to him that the reason is because outside of countries, there's no law against killing people. There's no law. We have anarchy. You know, inside any country, any territory in the world, it's illegal to kill people. Outside, you can get a medal for it. Outside, uh, you know, you just call it war. 
and uh, and somehow this is considered, you know, well, we'll have laws of war, you know, you can only kill them this way, not that way or whatever. What do you mean? We're not supposed to be going around killing people. You know, we need, we need to just outlaw killing people globally. And he began to realize uh, that, uh, you know, well, what basically happened is, is uh, uh, he went to Paris where the UN was meeting in 1948 and in a grand act of political, he went out and put out press releases to UPI, AP and everything. And then in a grand act of political theater, he leapt up in the middle of the UN session uh, and interrupted the, the Soviets who were squabbling about the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and this intrusion on our sovereignty and whatnot. He interrupted them and said, the nations you represent divide us and lead us to the brink of total war. And he called on them to hold elections of a government of, by and for the people of this world and he said, if you won't do it, step aside and a people's world assembly will arise from our ranks to do it. Well, he got hauled off, but all the delegates started applauding him. And, and then he had accomplices like, uh, uh, you know, uh, Albert Camus and, uh, and other leading French intellectuals who were up in the balcony. And then they jumped up and continued his speech. And one after another, they continued. And they held the floor there for over an hour. The Germans trying to adjourn the meeting and trying to stop it. But they're just they just keep on talking. So this kind of galvanized war were a year. People were so in pain over the war still, you know, the cities were still in ruins and so on. And uh, this is taking place, you know, 1948, 45, there'd been all the bombing and devastation. So, uh, so 20,000 people rallied with him at the velodrome on December 9th, 1948, demanding that the UN recognize the rights of humanity. And the very next day, the Soviets who had been adamantly blocking the human universal declaration stepped aside, abstained, and let it get passed unanimously. And uh, Gary says, we'll never know why, but uh, that night, December 9th, we took over, we the people took over, we said we demand our rights. And it was not just there in Paris, there were supporting rallies around the world. And I think that the Soviets saw the way the, uh, uh, <laughs> the, way the, public, the public opinion was going. And that's kind of the key to this whole thing. Uh, you know, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights says, uh, that the will of the people shall be the basis of the authority of government. And almost every other constitution on earth says the same thing. It's based on the will of the people. And yet, where's the will of the people at the global level? There's no way to express it. There's no way to, 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 to figure out what it is. Uh, and so um, what, uh, what Gary noticed was that the Declaration of, the Declaration of Independence said it is the right of the people to institute new government. Well, he says, who were they talking about? You know, old guys in gray wigs? Or, or does that really mean that you and I have a right to institute government? And if so, well, why don't we go ahead and institute a government at the global level? There's nothing to overthrow. There's no government there already. No violence, which is always self-defeating anyway. So he kind of has the nerve, this, this actor, this song and dance man, to go out and declare a government of, by, and for the people of the world. Well, people started rallying to it and joining it. They got they they went they went viral before there was an internet. They had they had uh, uh, they had people all over the world writing letters to him. You see these in the movie, thousands of letters of people saying, "I want to be a world citizen like you. I want to join." This is when they had to walk maybe miles to go to a post office and put a stamp on an envelope and send it. And all over the world, people were responding to this, becoming world citizens. And when they got. Uh, uh, you know, when they signed up more world citizens than many of the smaller nations on the world, in the world, they began to actually implement it. And they set up an office that's still going on right there in Washington, D.C., uh, where they issue world passports and world IDs 
all based on the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. So it's not a government agency, it's not a US government agency, but it's right there in the, right in the US Capitol because uh, it's, a, it's a nonprofit organization that's willing to do this. And there, since there's, there's no law, you know, they actually had people, Gary faced many challenges being thrown in jail various times. And he had a case that went up to the Supreme Court and, you know, uh, the U.S. doesn't have jurisdiction out in the world. Who can say he can't declare a government up for the people of the world? They don't have jurisdiction over that anyway. So mm -hmm. finally, what they did when the case went to the Supreme Court is they lost his file. They said, well, we lost your file because they didn't know what to do with it. Mm. Wow. <laughs> there's always there's always seems to be some kind of excuse for why uh, things can't be done. And that was one of the, that's one of the things that is so frustrating for me. It's like, where, where are these people's consciences? That's what I don't understand, uh, you know, uh, especially when it comes to this whole aspect of representation. You know, you, you run for these offices and, and, uh, and so forth. And, you know, you think, that, you think that the power is yours when it isn't yours. I mean, I've, I've read, I've read uh, for example, the, the, the Constitution, and uh, I, I, I quote the preamble on this program quite often uh, that refers to, you know, we the people, we the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, um, promote, uh, prov uh, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity to ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. And Good. I think about what you just said about how it says in within the actual document, the constitution, that we have the right to redress grievances and that we do have the right as the people, because that document refers to the people, not the government, uh, refers to the people having the right to say, you know what, we've had it up to here. You know what, guess what? Uh, the, the seat of uh, the nation is no longer Washington, D.C., and all those who reside there and uh, uh, claim that they have power, they no longer have that power. We're moving it to the center of the country. I mean, let's just, for the sake of argument, uh, and we're going to establish our new government there. The Constitution gives us the right to do that. Now, in this day and age, Arthur, would you say that's going to be a... There are a lot of people that feel that way, but as a gentleman who I spoke with many years ago on this program, who wrote a book in reference to uh, returning to a more reason to a reasonable form of government, answered my very first question question, which was, when was the last time we had a reasonable form of government? To his, to the, which he said, it was about three minutes after the ink was dry on the Constitution. <laughs> and well, you so know, there's the rub. Well, to me, it seems like uh, one, uh, let, me, let me tell you what I think the basic problem is. Back in Jefferson's day, uh, corporations would receive a charter for 20 years to build a railroad or, or to do some public service. And they were under under the people. And if they didn't fulfill that function, their charter could be revoked and they disappeared. They were out of business. But uh, because these companies, because we're operating globally and we the people are locked in these boxes called nation states, they began to say, well, if you, uh, you, know, if you control our pollution, we'll move elsewhere where we can pollute. If you try to tax us, we'll move elsewhere where we can pollute. do that. If you want us to treat our workers better, we'll move elsewhere where we can exploit workers. 
And so they gained, they began to, since they were up and globally, they gained all the power and they could start having the best politicians money could buy. So they're free to operate globally and we're stuck in these boxes called nation states and people try to like, okay, maybe we'll have, you know, campaign reform. We'll try to force them back under the people. We can't do it. We, the people have to step up to our rightful place as not the governed, but the governors of our small planet. We, the people, uh, that's why I have this poster about, uh, about from Alex in Wonderland back there. Uh, not, not from Alex in Wonderland, excuse me, uh, from the Wizard of Oz, excuse me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, here, uh, uh, Alice was so sure she had to get the mighty wizard to save her. And she, 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 she went through all kinds of conniptions, you know, just like we beg and plead our government leaders, you know, please uh, stop the global pollution, please uh, make peace. And uh, it turned out it was all just some guy behind a curtain manipulating, manipulating things. It was a lot of hot air and it wasn't really a, a mighty wizard that really the power was in her all along. And all she had to do was click her heels together and she could go home. Well, we the people can click our heels together and we can go to our home planet Earth. And we can, you know, Gary says in the movie, we humans are an incredibly inventive species. Why squander our genius inventing smart bombs to do ourselves in? Why not invent smart gov, a way we can interactively and, and collaboratively uh, bring together the highest and best wisdom of each individual and amalgamate that into the highest and best wisdom of the people on the planet, a, a new way you know, get, challenge all these young people to be the to be the Thomas Jeffersons and Dolly Madisons of creating a new way that we govern at the global level that that is not when you know not this old forty nine percent win you know fifty one percent win forty nine percent lose so we don't care that we all have different opinions on all these things but we're really putting it into two parties that fight each other and it gets worse and worse. In reality, if you could develop a system where people are having like these. Well, Gary called it, uh, modeled it on, on Buckminster Fuller's geodesic sphere. The idea that, you know, instead of, uh, of a top-down structure, if you take any top-down structure, like say a company, mm -hmm. and, you know, you had the president on top and under him, the, the uh, you know, the vice presidents and all the way down. If instead you make it a, a, a geodesic sphere, then you can rotate it. So the president might be on top when it comes to administration, but when it comes to, for example, keeping the bathrooms clean, the janitor's on top. If he can't do that, and the toilets are all overflowing and they're all stinking, the whole company you know, shuts down. They can't, can't do business without clean toilets. But he can't do that without supply providing toilet paper and soap, and they can't do it without personnel. So uh, you know, everybody is on top of the world in their sphere. They all have functions, but they interact. And the idea is that we, instead of a top-down structure, we kind of create these small groups, almost like these Zoom meetings, but with their, they have to be, he called it, he called it syntegrity. It has to be synergy with that tensile strength of opposites coming together. So it has to be, if you, uh, if you take uh, uh, any issue like, you know, Arabs and Israelis or, 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 or red states, you know, blue states or whatever, and you put people in a room together and you say, you know, who's right and who's wrong, bash, 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 you don't get anywhere. But you get in a, in a room together and you use these, uh, the, the, the a range of, of 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 interactive techniques where you get in touch with who you really are. What you tell tell me your story. What is your story? What is it that you want for your children and your grandchildren? What's your vision? And you develop. You go through these processes. You start finding. Hey, we all get a little, we have the same idea. We get together. And there's been many 
many wonderful movies on this kind of thing. And one free free trip to Egypt, where they, they this guy went to a Trump rally and he uh, holds up a sign, "Free trip to Egypt," and he got uh, Trumpers to go live with uh, Islamic families, and they they fell in love with each other. Said, Boy, I wish all all Arabs were like you. I wish all Jews were like you, or whatever. You know, once you can connect in that personal person level, and you get past the these divisions, these boxes that we're in, and you get to really who we are as people, there's a tremendous consensus of our planet of we all want a livable planet clean air we all want peace we all want security and if we can start expressing that will of the people at the global level that can be the mighty superpower that can shift our world that can get all the companies and countries and all running to join us rather than us running to try to join them rather than us knocking our heads against the wall trying to beg and plead the mighty wizard we have to realize the power is in us and it's in us when we come together uh, and create the sovereignty of the whole. Well, you know, one of the things that that intrigues me so about this is the fact that it's it's uh, it's doing something different. And what what really excites me in that regard is whether whether people listening liked it or not. Okay, when the virus began to spread across the globe. I was elated. The reason, not because I wanted anybody to get sick and die, not not by a long shot, but because we did something different we'd never done before in generations since uh, maybe since the uh, uh, the uh, uh, since 1918 with the Spanish flu, we shut down. Well, quite literally, we just we shut down the world, and we started seeing images across the globe. Where animals were coming, all they were they were now occupying right. the spaces where man was, and we saw uh, we saw the uh, the air clean up, and we saw these different things. And the thing that went through my mind was that um, okay, we may not like this, and it is different, and that means that when we get out the other side, and I say when because we will if we haven't already. Um, it's going to be different. Whether we like it or not, I don't know. We may not. We may not like what it looks like on the other side, but it's definitely going to be different. Plus, the thought went through my mind, Arthur, think of all of the opportunities we didn't even know were there until we got into it that came up for people. I mean, sadly, you know, we in the United States in particular, at least as our conversation here, over a million people have died allegedly from that uh, from that virus and unrelated uh, uh, ancillary uh, conditions that they already had. Uh, but there were people who I don't want to say necessarily prospered, although I know there were some who uh, they say that uh, more billionaires were created during this time. But there were people whose hearts led them to help others. Uh, I saw restaurants, especially here in California, they had to do something with the food rather than it go to waste. So they started making meals and giving them away to people. Uh, I mean, the, the generosity in the human spirit really came to life for a lot of people. And so that was something that was beautiful to see. It was. You know, you know, you know something amazing. I think that we have a very, very interesting, uh, you know, parallax. And that is that all over the world, everybody is trying to do good. The suicide bomber who straps, you know, a bomb on himself and blows himself up in a crowd, he is so dedicated to Allah and his fellow man that he's willing to, to kill himself for it. And the soldier 
who who goes out and puts himself on the line. He's 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 dedicated to good on both sides. You remember the movie The Universal Soldier, and and he's always <laughs> the, the song The Universal Soldier. Uh, and you know everybody is, is is all over the world wants to help their fellow man, help others, help their fellow humans. I should say and uh, people. And uh, but they've got a different story, and and according to the story they've been told, uh, what they're doing makes a lot of sense. But according to somebody else's story, it isn't. So what we need yeah. is some kind of interactive process where we start coming together in our stories. And you know, because the basic human motivation is positive. You know, you know, uh, uh, Darwin used survival of the species once, but love like ninety nine times in his writings. I mean, what we had a wonderful, uh, we had uh, Ian Ian. Uh, we had uh, Rayon Eisler, uh, author of The Chalice and the Blade, on our show, and she, she said humanity came together uh, not out of competition, but out of out of partnership societies, out of how we collaborate and come together. And we humans have a tremendous, uh, you know, a basic innate desire to collaborate and join with others, unless we get scarred, unless we get so burned and hurt by the the, the traumas we've had that we become. Yeah. you know, pathological. But if we, if we, if we don't have that, our natural inclination is to connect together. And what we need is, 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 is the broken systems are what divide us and, and keep us in the wrong stories. And if we can invent new systems, use our tremendous, you know, minds to invent smart gov, as Gary talked about it, this interactive global way of a, of a better way that we, the people can bring to the top, the, the, the highest and best wisdom in each of our hearts and in our societies and in our world, uh, we can have a tremendous, uh, we can be a tremendous force, a superpower that can save this planet from doom. The movie is entitled The World is My Country, and it is uh, being shown. As a matter of fact, uh, there is a presentation going on at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Can you give us some information about that, Arthur? Arthur Conagus, who is the uh, producer as well as the director of the film, and we thank you so much for being with us here on the program. Give us uh, uh, some of the logistics in regards to uh, this matinee that's coming up. Well, if you go to theworldismycountry.com, right here, theworldismycountry.com, and you click on the Link TV link, you'll see all the broadcast times. They've had eight broadcasts on Link TV nationwide, coast to coast. Uh, you'll see the one coming up uh, uh, one o'clock on uh, Sunday Pacific time, but you'll also see various other time zones. And, uh, and you'll also see that it's already been shown on uh, 100 public television stations coast to coast. Uh, and you'll also find a way to click right there. So even if you don't have uh, Dish Network or or the, or the satellite network, you can also just watch it right now. There's a streaming method, and there's a 50% off coupon there to watch it on Vimeo and so on. So you can come to the site there and you see it. And the incredible thing about it is it's a fun story. I mean, it's a song and dance man. It's a yeah. guy who's having having a ball, uh, uh, but shaking up our thinking, giving us that snap, that 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 realization that we can click our heels together and snap ourselves out of this, out of this, uh, uh, th this really, uh, uh, it's almost like a, a nightmare that we're stuck in. You know, we have these false beliefs, like, for example, for example, the idea that there's such a thing as military power. Did you know that there's no such thing as military power? That that's, that, that if, if, if the most powerful, if take, take Vietnam, here, you know, the mighty Chinese empire fought them, couldn't beat them. The mighty French empire fought them and couldn't beat them. The mighty US empire fought them and couldn't beat them. You know, if all these massive empires couldn't beat people in the jungle, 
what what is there about this military power? Take Afghanistan, same thing. The mighty Soviet empire tried like heck to try to beat these people. They couldn't do it. Then then the U.S. came in and tried, and we couldn't do it. And all we did is push people more into the hands of the Taliban, the most rabid. Uh, we, we pushed them away from women's rights. We pushed them. We, we didn't do anything that helped them. We pushed them in a worse and worse place. Now people are starving there. Now they're and the more we do sanctions and punish and you know the basic thing that Ian that Rian Eisler said is that this whole idea of of that you can punish, force, have a dominator culture that if you just dominate it up, you know you can if you are a Putin and you can dominate these people in 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 Ukraine you you can get somewhere and it doesn't work what happens when people try to dominate us we don't accept it what happens to school kids when they try to dominate them they rebel you know it it doesn't work anywhere this whole dominator culture this whole idea that that force works doesn't work what does work what works is is connecting to people connecting with them uh, inter interconnecting coming coming to understandings uh, uh, allowing people to be themselves, uh, not trying to, 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 to force people all from the top down. So this whole top down society is failing. The old institutions are broken and we the people have to start from the bottom up building new institutions that aren't based on domination and force. You know, in our film, Gary says, does world government scare you? Well, it sure scares me if it's the same old forces of power and money controlling our lives from behind closed doors, you know, the new world order. Well, all this is happening right now. All these trade deals and all that stuff where the where, where they can we're behind closed doors there 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 are people governing our world but it's not being governed with we the people having a say having any involvement and you know we need to do it from the bottom up and it and it doesn't take force and violence it takes it takes uh, uh, finding a way to really bring out the our, our, our highest and best wisdom and then humans are creative they can solve all these problems if we get away from these broken systems that are tearing us apart broken economic systems and broken political systems. Uh, I, I can certainly understand where you're coming from. And one of the things that I want to talk about now is we continue talking with Arthur Conegus, director and producer. Arthur of Can Canegus, by the Canegus, way. I beg your pardon. K-A-N-E-G-I-S, Arthur Canegus. Canegus, I beg your pardon. Uh, it's so important to get people's names right. It's one of the, my uh, primary uh, goals uh, when I'm doing these programs. Uh, Arthur Canegus, uh, he is the director and producer of the film uh, this, The World is My Country. And I wanted to ask about this because I was reading something just a little bit ago in regarding to our economy and, and everybody is, uh, well, not everybody, a lot of people, prominent people as well as not so prominent people, uh, they're going, the, the, the number one thing we need to focus on in this world is our economy, uh, that the economy is what drives the world. And I'm going, then what you're saying is that uh, that we don't serve God, we serve Mammon. We, you know, that uh, that that money is our God. That's what you're saying through that. And uh, uh, you've had people on your programs who have talked about other economic systems. Um, one of the and one of the things that that I have noticed, I keep hearing this uh, concept, especially with. I guess it's a looming recession. I don't know whether it's coming or not. I don't know if it's here. Uh, I don't even know whether that's what it is. But they say that, well, you have to let the law of supply and demand uh, run its course. And I look at that and I don't know if I'm naive, if I'm ignorant, if, uh, you know, some would say I'm stupid. But the law of supply and demand is not the law of supply and demand. It's the law of greed. Right. Right. Well, and you know what's happening is that uh, 
Uh, right now, for example, the huge amounts of money that the government puts into, into for instance, military weapons and so on, this whole military industrial complex, uh, uh, you know, Eisenhower warned us, and he was a general, he was the president, and his farewell address to the nation, his most important warning was that, you know, the, the reach of the military industrial complex was in every state house, every office of the federal government. And he said, you know, what can we hope for if no turning is found on this dread road? You know, the, the worst would be atomic war. The best to be expected would be a life of perpetual fear and tension, a burden of arms that, 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 that defied the, the ability for any nation to provide true abundance and happiness for the peoples of this earth. He said, every gun that is made, every warship launched represents in the final sense of theft from those who are hungry and not fed, those who are cold and not clothed. Uh, you know, we're not paying, all, so anyway, it goes on and on, but it was a beautiful quote we didn't heed that. We didn't heed President Kennedy when he said the weapons of war must be abolished or they'll abolish us. And we're racing toward, you know, our own extinction, the abolition. Our, and the only way out of it is really for, I think, for we the people to click our heels together and step up into our rightful place as the, uh, as the, as the interactive governors of this whole planet, uh, bringing up, bringing out the, what Gary called the sovereignty of the whole, you know, finding out what is it that the, the pulse beat? What is it that humanity really wants? And then we're, we're, if we're the ones who want it, we can create it. Mm -hmm. It has been said, uh, according to many uh, who have studied the documents, that uh, the Constitution was designed to create a republic. There are those who say that the Constitution uh, is uh, there and we are living in a democracy. And then there are others, some cynical and some otherwise, who say we actually are not living in either. We are living in a corporatocracy. Your perspective, and even uh, maybe if you have insights on Gary's perspective in that regard. Well, I think, I think that's very accurate. I think you just can look around the world at the power of the corporations. And it's because it's not because they're bad people or anything like that. It's because they're in a system that drives them to keep making more and more profit, whether or not it's helping humanity. Now, what guides that? It's the will of the people. You know, We're the ones that are, are paying for it with our pocketbooks and everything else. If they start finding that the way the uh, you know, like, like if, if say we do create this uh, interactive people powered governing system of the planet, and people walk into a store and they scan products, beep, beep, this is a world law violator. They're, they're uh, violating international law by, by supplying the parts for, for wars or for, for destroying the environment. Okay, we're not gonna buy from them. Oh, we've scanned another product. Oh, this product, they're green. They're, they're apply, abiding by the, the laws that we the people have come to common in our common agreement, the common understanding. And we buy from those or you go on a, a, a job site and you apply for a job and you have a, and you have a, you know, you have a, a, a thing that pops up on your computer, you know, oop, world law violator. Well, it won't apply to that job. When they start finding that, uh, you know, the shippers aren't shipping their goods and the people, people aren't working for them. And the, but when they're violators, but when they comply, uh, you know, they're, they're booming, they'll start moving in that direction. You know, money is not, it, it's, it's, it, it's, you know, one of the reasons it's so distorted is there? It's not really a, a, a pure supply and demand. It's a, all this huge amounts of money being put into subsidized big oil, huge amounts being subsidized in the military industrial complex. And the more powerful they get, the more they lobby to get more, and the more they lobby to make wars so that they can 
uh, get more weapons sold. You know, I mean, one of the biggest functions of these wars is to is to get all these weapons uh, bills through. I, one of the negotiators, Moscow, was complaining. You know, you have these missiles surrounding us, and they oh, don't worry, that's just a jobs program for the people in Georgia. They were told, well, that's supposed to make them feel better. What would, how would we feel if if in Canada and uh, Mexico there were missiles pointing toward us with nuclear warheads? I mean, you know, we. Uh, uh, we've let this military industrial complex get out of control and it's not even pure supply and demand. It's just, it, it's because the government is, 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 is pushing them in the wrong direction. We, the people have to create a way that we create a governing system that draws them into the right direction. And I think once we can create the will of the people at the global level, we'll be doing that because people don't want to, want to, want to fight wars and they don't want to have, uh, all this destruction. They, you know, they, they really want uh, a society that works and we can do it. Yeah, we'll I would like faster. to. See, yeah, I'd like to see the suits go to be at the be on the front lines first and their Sorry. children. And okay. then if they do that, then, OK, maybe we'll think about sending <laughs> ours because uh, exactly. it always and, uh, and the children up front they'll all make peace first and the, and the adults will be befuddled whoops what was happening they were supposed to go fight each other they're all making peace what are we going to do yikes yeah. well <laughs> and of course we are all familiar with that story the the christmas eve story in world right. war one and that was a beautiful thing the thing i'd like to know is what was it that compelled them at the end of the evening to go back to their sides of the battlefield and pick up where they left off. I, I, I just. Well, many, many didn't, but then they had, uh, you know, all the orders came from headquarters and they began to punish the people who were doing that. But many did try to keep up the collaboration, but it was very, uh, uh, very difficult. But yeah, these soldiers who are fighting each other, you know, they don't have something against each other. They're just these pawns in this game. And uh, they're out there shooting each other. And it's like Gary, who, who he said, well, I don't, I, I'm here to make people laugh, not to blow them up in their homes and schools and factories. And these Russian soldiers right now, they feel the same way. What are we doing here in Ukraine? You know, blowing up these people in their homes and factories and hospitals and so on. And so many of them are pulling out of it. And yet they're, uh, you know, the, the powers that be try to punish them and everything. But there's been a great uprising within Moscow, in, in Russia. Maybe you even saw where, where some people, uh, uh, cracked into the TV stations and got all the top television stations showing <laughs> showing uh, uh, bare headlines of uh, uh, of what's really going on there. And you know, people all over uh, want to break through against these broken government systems. And uh, once we, the people, get together and connect, we are the superpower. Well, now, um, do you think Arthur Arthur and it's Arthur Canagus, right, producer director of the world is my country. Do you think that the cause, we'll call it the cause, uh, I'll also refer to it as the philosophy that Gary was promoting uh, and that this movie uh, really puts into clear focus for people. From your perspective, because you just kind of went down the line, especially when it came to uh, uh, borders and the military and so forth, is it a cause? that is worth dying for I think or it's is worth that or is that for. an old <laughs> is it or is that an old tired cliche we don't want to have to die for it i think it's worth living for and you know uh -huh. the fact that gary was 
not afraid of dying, made him almost invulnerable. I mean, when you read his book, My Country is the World, or when you watch the movie, I mean, he went into the most uh, scary, dangerous, I got a copy of the book here, but anyway, situations in the world. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't believe the, 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 the place, positions he put himself in where, how did he possibly stay alive? And yet he, uh, he did basically because he was fearless. He, uh, he, he, he didn't let himself be intimidated. And, and partly that was because since his own brother died, he said, well, heck, you know, I should have died. Well, I lived, well, I'm going to live and I'm not going to worry about whether I die or not. And he lived to be 94 as a citizen, 65 years of his life, he lived as a citizen of no nation, only the world, uh, traveling on his world passport, uh, claiming uh, a future that most people can only imagine. You know, the, all, all the great gurus and, and, and saints have talked about one world. Well, he, he lived it. He lived one world. And it's a mar remarkable story, well worth watching the movie. Uh, you won't believe the incredible, you know, responses we get on our people who take a survey, we urge them to take a survey at the end. And of course, when it's on TV, not everybody does, but some people take the trouble to go to that website link and fill out the survey. And it's so heartwarming to read the comments. If you go to theworldismycountry.com and then just put a forward slash and put applause, you'll see all the incredible hundreds of comments from viewers about how much this moved them, how much they resonate with it, how much they wish they knew this story earlier, how much their children and grandchildren need this story. You know, it's a it's a heartwarming, fun, uplifting story. And I think everybody will enjoy watching it, whether you uh, agree with Gary or not. Uh, mainly, it's not he's not that much of a doing philosophizing or, or preaching. He's just basically telling you a story and you mm -hmm. get drawn into it and you and you and, and you you just it opens your eyes just to hear the story. And that's what we try to do here on this program. Tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world is we try to open people's eyes to, to different ideas, different ways of thinking and considering the possibilities. It's uh, kind of what I said about uh, uh, certainly the, the uh, influx of the virus that uh, hit uh, the United States in particular back in March of, uh, of uh, 2020. And actually it was a little before that, but the, the decision to shut things down was in March of 2020. And, um, you know, it's like, well, then we had to, we had to come up with new ways of uh, maybe getting around and new ways of working, new ways of getting food, new ways of doing just about everything. I will say this much. They did not tell us that we had to stay inside our dwellings. They didn't say we had to stay in. We could now I know in New York, for example, if you live in a high rise apartment complex, little tough. If you don't have a balcony, uh, but people with uh, lawns, you could go out and go out in your backyard or your front yard. You could do that. So at least you would still have a connection with nature. I'm curious about Gary, as well as you and your connection with nature, because that seems to be so important to a lot of folks. And I've even said it on this program that nature is our best teacher. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nature is, is, is so crucial. I live here in a, actually in Baja, an hour south of San Diego on the beach, and I walk the beach every day. And, and uh, just, just the grounding of walking barefoot on the beach and walking in the water, you know, uh, makes my ideas start spinning, connects me with the world. You know, we've gotten so broke, cut away from uh, 
And so many of these you know, huge offices doing nothing. One good thing about COVID is we, if everybody starts finding they can work with and be home with their children and going out and doing things and not being locked in these concrete boxes, you know, needlessly uh, traveling and honking horns and making traffic, you know, it's crazy. Uh, no, we so need to connect with nature. We're, you know, species are dying at an incredibly rapid rate. And if we kill nature, we've killed ourselves. We, 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 we can't live without nature. We're part of nature. We are animals. And, you know, we learn it when we have precious dogs and cats and pets. But our connection with, uh, with nature uh, is, is crucial, whether it's food we eat, you know, the more we can get close to organically grown directly from the farmer food, the more we can get directly connected with, with the animals and the natural world. And Gary very much felt that. He was a vegetarian. He didn't... Uh, kill animals. He also, uh, you know, also was very much uh, uh, for uh, the rights of nature. Uh, uh, you know, not only do we need the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, but we need the, the, the rights of nature and of Earth. And heck, if we don't respect nature, you know, bye-bye to us. Uh, the Earth will continue without us, but uh, many, many species will go with us if we destroy ourselves. So uh, let's try to keep all those species and all going by, by just making that little click in our thinking, click our heels together, and move into that new way of thinking where, where we actually then move out of, you know, thinking that the mighty wizard will save us and realize it's we who have to interconnect and do it, that we are the, are the, the, the ones who can come together as a, uh, as a united world and make yeah. a difference. I've often uh, speculated that uh, the human body is made up of trillions of cells. And uh, I would put the question forth to people, um, just for the sake of argument, what government, what form of government do you think those trillions of cells operate under? And it is not one that you can easily name. Uh, and it's not really an ism. And the form of government that I concluded, I, I came to this conclusion was it operates under interdependentism. If it was a democracy, that it operated under, the body would cease to exist because each cell would want to do its own thing uh, without concern for anybody else. It would exercise its, let's just say, its, its First Amendment rights, right? Uh, so uh, we, as individuals, as human beings, we are interdependent, which means that our actions are not just affecting us, the individual who's carrying out those actions. Talk to us about, if you can, your perspective and maybe even Gary's on that concept of interdependentism. I mean, you even used the phrase that, yes. you know, we're connected. <laughs> well, actually, that's a great parallel to the human body because, uh, you know, we uh, each cell is independent. Each cell is making uh, certain decisions of their own and so on. But it's all part of an overall interactive system. It has electrical connections that that transmit and connect to others. And uh, and when it gets out of kilter, you have a cancer cell that goes wild and, and, and kills the, the host. But when it's working right, it, it uh, uh, it's an incredible symphony of but both individualism and connectivism. I mean, in other mm -hmm. words, uh, uh, there's an amazing amount of decentralization. There's amazing um, uh, the heart. It turns out has incredible. Uh, mind that we don't even think about that's that 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 is controlling so much of the cells even 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 the poop they found out that poop transplants plant transplants poop transplants can change not only a person's health 
but can actually change their personality. So who would know? Who would think it could be in the poop? But you know, your gut, all these things, these independent little buggies in your gut are all so important for interacting into this whole. Yeah. And we are all, again, that's sort of what Gary was saying with this Judas experience. You know, each thing is very independent. The brain cell is incredibly different than the heart cell and the others, but they each have to have their function. And each one is crucial. If any one of them no longer works, uh, you know, the whole organism will, will die. So uh, we each have to be able to do our part, but an interactive dynamic. Uh, well, uh, you know, Russell, uh, it, well, it, one people, it's been called a global brain, an interactive network and, 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 and uh, uh, synapses of the planet, you know, that we come together uh, and, uh, and rise above the divisions and strife uh, to find our common ground and to find a way that we, we can uh, become the, the 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 masters rather than the slaves of uh, of the systems we've created. You know, we have to master the systems. Do do you have? And I I want to put this in a, a proper context here. But do you have a refutation for those people who would challenge this whole concept because they are afraid of? Um, a global centralization of government, the one world government, the new world order, this kind of thing. When you start talking about uh, being a citizen of the world, because um, I, I myself over the last 45, 43 years in this business, I've worked for a number of different stations. I've heard uh, primarily from more of the right side, if you will. I worked for a Christian station where they were really concerned about the new world order and all of this kind of stuff. And um, uh, it seems as though also there's also this, this aspect of, uh, well, the prophecies, for example, in the Bible that talk about uh, all of these different things and the Antichrist and Armageddon and, and uh, the end of the world and on and on and on and on and on. And uh, at one point, I got so bored with the story of the end of the world. I said, uh, okay, uh, assuming that your philosophy is correct and the prophecies are correct, is there any way that I can help to accelerate the process so we can move on to a different story? Because this is boring the daylights out of me because I've been hearing this for 20, 30 years, 40 years, and uh, I'd like to move on to something else. What, how, is, is, what, do do they, you, what do they say to you? <laughs> uh, they don't have much of a thing to say because <laughs> if I was to be a part of accelerating it, obviously I'm on the wrong side. Yeah. Well, they it's, it's very interesting that you say that because I, yes, I think they're absolutely right to be afraid of the new world order of the, uh, this West Gary said, this whole top down system where the forces of power and money control our lives from behind closed doors. And, you know, this, the, the antidote to that. And the only antidote, the only thing powerful enough to counter that is for we, the people, to come together and express the will of the people at the global level. You know, all it takes is the expression of that will and the amalgamating of that will. And once we have that will, it has great power. And as I was saying, when I described, you know, enforcement through, through our buying power, through our, 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 the stocks we buy. I mean, how do these guys have their power if somebody's bought their stocks? You know, who's that? That's you and I. That's people. You know, when we, when we start uh, there's no need for a top-down, you know, uh, go uh, uh, oppressive government in the world, just the opposite. We need an interactive, uh, flowing, uh, uh, dynamic, uh, new way of, of governing our planet that is uh, 
that where every single human being counts, where every person has a say, and where the more that person is interacting with people of opposite political views and coming to synergy, coming to synchronicity, synchronistic thinking, uh, the more power that has an impact. You know, the, the, there's uh, several layers. I mean, one layer uh, is, uh, you know, I'm, you, I'm right or you're right, and one of us wins. The other is we come to a compromise, but we give a little, you give a little, but we both lost a little. Uh, or you come to a consensus, but that's more difficult. But better than that is synergy. Synergy means that we all come out with something better than we even came into the room with. We come out with a, a synergistic, new new things evolve. And if we had these small group interactive, uh, you know, if we had a, a planet, a world, where at every hub is another small group of these sort of Zoom type meetings where people are interactively bringing out their highest and best wisdom and coming out with what is the will of the people. And we interactively, uh, you know, use just like, like in Google, you can, before you even finish putting your thought, it, it sifts through all the information in the world and brings out the highest and best. We need algorithms that can bring together the, the will of the people at the global level and bring it together into a, a, a synergistic thinking about how, how do we how do we make our world a better place that works for us that touches our hearts that that comes together and it's happening you know all these YouTube videos about about uh, animals that are of different species coming together and loving each other and all that I mean, there's so many different ways that we're uh, we're beginning to develop this interactive synapsis of a uh, uh, of kind of a network of what humanity is we're and and we're in the birth pains of creating this network but I think once we do this and interactively create it. It'll be so much powerful, more powerful than all the old uh, broken systems. And you know, if you look at the uh, stories, the Armageddon stories, I mean, that's what's that's what's happening. That's what's coming out of the old uh, the old order. And they talk about uh, you know the rise of Christ afterwards. Well, the rise of Christ is right in our hearts, and 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 we can we can rise to, to that, and we can rise to that hopefully without all the destruction of of an Armageddon. But uh, but you know, make shift that. I mean, these these were warnings uh, not to get into that. And and if we understand it and we get into a, a whole different uh, you know mindset, we can bring about you know the kingdom, <laughs> the, the the kingdom of, of of Christ right in the world. What did Christ say? He said, "Love your enemies. Uh, you know, do good to those who persecute you." You know, that's not a formula for weakness. That's the most powerful. That's the most powerful military strategy in the world because, you know, if you if you love your enemy, that's the only. There's no way you can vanquish your enemy with dominator. The more you kill them, the more their brothers and sisters are going to kill you, and then you kill them, and then more people kill you. But if you love your enemy, there is no more enemy. Like take, you know, in World War II, I mean, Japan, uh, Germany, you know, we be, they be, we began to love them. They became our friends. We were, they were buying their cars. Well then that gave us much more security than, you know, trying to bomb or dominate people or, you know, anywhere. It's the, it's the, the old dominator thing doesn't work. And there is a way we can interactively uh, create, uh, bring about the kind of, yeah, I mean, everybody uses different words for it, but what they really want when they say the kingdom of God on earth is they want uh, a future where we can love each other and get together and feel secure and our children can play and we have a fresh green earth and we have clean water and clean air. Those are the things we all want and we put different names on them, but we just have to come to a common ground of, of, of a path to get rid of the broken systems that divide us and come to a way to come together with, with what is that deep urging within each of us that wants us to come together as a planet. Arthur Kanagas, my guest. Uh, he is the executive producer. He's the producer and the director of... Uh, well, the, Melanie Bennett is actually our 
producer, I'm the director. I also am a producer, but she's the primary okay. producer. I'm primarily the director. And Melanie Bennett is a, a fabulous producer. So I want to make sure that they know this is a team effort. Absolutely. Uh, but with her and me and with a incredible editor, we have uh, uh, Jordan Byron and, uh, and others. So, uh, uh, but yes, I'm very glad to, uh, to direct this movie and to offer it to all of you to come to theworldismycountry.com and uh, get to watch it. And, and they'll be able to see it at 1 p.m. Pacific time today. Uh, this is oh, no, Sunday. Uh, Sunday, Sunday the 5th. Sunday, uh, Correct. TV if, you right, have satellite, right. if you have satellite TV. Sure. And if not, you can just go to the website and you can watch it right now. There's uh, uh, links there where you get a 50% a, a off coupon to watch it on Vimeo right away. Absolutely. We certainly hope folks will go to that website. And of course, we will have our link to that uh, to that website as well for people who want to continue to follow up. I wanted to follow up on something that I had mentioned earlier, and we kind of set that aside for the time being. Uh, I want to talk about this, this world passport. Uh, first of all, what are the benefits of holding or having a world passport? And do well, we you have that. one? Yes, I have one. I was just, uh, uh, I was going to show it to you, but I, I don't know. I, I rushed, I rushed up here for this. I don't have it right in my hand, but it's all right. I will show it to you next time. Uh, the I did, I did the last time. Uh, basically, uh, if you go to our website, that same website, and down near the bottom, you'll see there's a passport link where you can click on it and find out more about that. But uh, the passport, uh, <laughs> um, okay. Basically, right now, especially in COVID, it's very hard to, to use it as a travel document, although almost every nation on earth at one time or another has stamped it. Uh, right now, uh, uh, there are a lot, of, it, it, a lot of restrictions on travel and so on. But uh, what it has been powerful, we just had a, last week in our podcast, we had some people from South Africa, and there was a, a gentleman who said that, you know, uh, I couldn't get medical care because I didn't have an identification document, but then I was able to finally get the world passport and I was able to get medical care. People can't get there. You know, there's, some, there's 50 million stateless people in the world who have no identification. If they can't have some identity, they can't get their kids uh, in school even without an identity. They can't open bank accounts. Uh, so this has been so important for so many people that way. And it's helped so many refugees get out of refugee camps. It's helped I help people around the world, but also many of us just carry it because we like to identify ourselves as world citizens. I mean, I have a U.S. passport. I present that first at the border and then I afterwards, so they don't give me a hard time, I present my world passport and say, by the way, I'm also a, you know, a world citizen. Can you stamp this as well? And some of them say, 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 no, we don't do that. Others have said that. Uh, where, where can I get one? Others have stamped it. Uh, one woman, when Melanie was going through, she went to the border in LA and the woman said, oh, is this the passport we're not supposed to stamp? And she stamped it. She was her own act of world citizenship. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a pioneering thing. It's like going from, you know, the old Encyclopedia Britannica where only uh, learned scholars could make an encyclopedia to Wikipedia where we can all interactively be involved in making an encyclopedia. You know, the old systems of top-down dominance are breaking down and we the people are creating new systems. And the world passport is, you know, a bottom-up uh, passport. Uh, not top, not a passport of control, but a, a, but a but a passport of freedom, a way that we can uh, can claim our rights as citizens of this world. Yeah. Well, Arthur, this uh, this this to me is a, a fascinating opportunity for people. Here we are in the 21st century. Uh, the Baha'is, of which I was a member back in the uh, early 90s, 
<clears throat> talked about, uh, their founder talked about how uh, there are no borders. And then when we went out into space and looked back at the Earth from orbiting spacecraft, you couldn't see any lines like you do on a map. There were no borders. You couldn't tell what, you know, where one country began and the other one ended. Um, and it, it, I, I realize that a lot of this may very well play into a lot of people's, I'll say it, fears uh, of, you know, whatever prophecies they are, they are uh, living by or following. Um, and I'm sorry if that's the case, but the reality is that, hey, uh, as Arthur, uh, uh, I think you you very well put it, uh, I would add to that that, you know, we went from the horse and buggy to the automobile, and I'm sure the horse and buggy industry was none too happy about it, but what are you going to do? What well, are you going to do? You, that, that's sort of the key. What you're saying is sort of the key, and that is that, first of all, uh, you know, uh, as Buck Minister Fuller said, you never change things by by fighting the old reality. Mm -hmm. You just create something new and draw it to it. You know, the, 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 the people who invented the car didn't have to lobby, uh, you know, the, the horse and buggy industry to stop doing it. or didn't have to lobby to stop having, a, you know, against so They just created something new and that was a disruptive technology that created a new era. And, you know, we just have to create this SmartGov app uh, and begin to create a new, new kind of governance. You see it right in the movie where Gary shows it. It's not top-down government. It's an app we all have on our phone where we interactively start coming to consensus of what's the, you know, what is the kind of world we want and, and, and what does it look like? And, you know, uh, uh, the, the, I think the key thing about it is that it's not about uh, uh, all being the same. We're not the same. We're very different. It's about a way to celebrate our diversity and to enjoy our diversity and to appreciate the fact that we're all different. And it's to create a sort of umbrella protection to allow us to be individually different. So this isn't trying to stamp everybody in the same mold. Oh, we're all going to be the same. It's a way to protect the incredible, beautiful diversity of cultures and passions and people and colors and costumes and languages and everything. And to create an umbrella where that we can have the freedom to express all those and to do it without having to fear uh, destruction, without having to fear being controlled by, uh, by, by forces beyond our control that are that are dominated by power and money and greed, as you said, because it's not really because they're bad people that they're greedy, it's because the system has made it. So uh, that's the way you're supposed to be if you wanna be a successful, good person. And then they start feeling hollow. Why don't I feel good? I made all this money and I maybe I just have to make more. Maybe I'll feel better then. And they still yeah. don't feel good. And yeah. so they start discovering that, you know, the real happiness comes in this interaction and serving others. And that's why so many people are serving others. I'm a member of Rotary and all the world, you know, businessmen and others are helping others and there are other service clubs that do it. That's where people then feel fulfillment and so on. Well, why wait till you've, uh, you know, done some destructive industry and then have to make amends by, by sharing? Let's start from the beginning, uh, you know, making more interactive world human centric systems. And once we start, uh, you know, we the people invented the existing systems and we can invent something better. Let's, let's do it humans. <laughs> we've got to or we won't be still around on this planet nor will the other many of the other species so we've exactly. got to get our act together yeah. now i want to ask you arthur arthur canagus my guest here on the program talking about uh, the world is my country the movie which you can watch 
and it'll be June 5th, Sunday, and it is at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Go to theworldismycountry.com, and you can uh, click on the link to the TV locations, and, and you can watch that movie. Um, I want to ask you... Uh, you to can also stream it live right there. If you click on the website, it shows you can stream it, so you don't have to pay the for the, even, the, a little, even the half price for Vimeo. You can watch it completely free if you come on at the right time. All right. Well, very good. I want to ask you, in light of what you just said, uh, in regards to the diversity uh, of our planet and its peoples. Uh, in this country specifically, we have a serious issue that needs to be addressed somehow, and that is the polarization uh, in regards to ideologies, in that uh, some people believe the sky is blue. Other people believe it's green. Some people believe it's yellow and some say orange. Some say the earth is flat. Some say it's round. Uh, some say that it's square. Some say it's octagonal. It's oval. It's this, it's that. And I'm just using those as uh, examples of the realities that we've, we have lived with for a number of centuries. And yes, there was a time when, like the Catholic Church said, no, 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 the earth is the center of the universe, you know. And then, of course, as we learned more from science, so we realized, no, then the sun is not the center of the universe. And our galaxy isn't the center. I don't even know where the center of the universe is because I don't know where the universe begins and ends and where the walls are. How is it that we are going to come to a consensus if, uh, and I, I think I know the answer to the question, but I'm going to let you answer it. Uh, if we have this, these divergent views, which again, they're just fine. They're okay to have. But if we're trying to address and solve uh, and address some of the challenges that face us as a people, not just a nation, but as a people, uh, how, what's, what's Gary's answer to that? Well, I think that's exactly what what the what the key part was of this interactive uh, structure he was talking about. That it was a way that you pick topics, and 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 if if you have uh, if you have this kind of this sort this sort of organizational structure, and you take a topic like what kind of what kind of air do we want on the planet? Well, I think everybody would start agreeing. Well, we want clean air. We want air that. Uh, uh, that you can breathe, you know, what kind of water do you want? Well, it, wouldn't it be great if you could actually go back to a creek and you could drink the water and so on? You know, what do, what do you want and the topics? And what people want, very few people want a world that's torn apart by war and torn apart by hatred and all that. I mean, you know, that this is a, uh, it's because our system pits us against each other. It's a, uh, it's a win-lose system. I mean, like, like if you take this, uh, this party system, I mean, you support a party, even though there may be many views they have you don't agree with. But, you know, you take the one you have the most common agreements with and you get them and then you fight the other. So it gets people, you know, and then you fight, you, you, hire, you, you hire. Well, one of the things Gary said is, you know, back in the horse, you mentioned the horse and buggy days, back in the mm -hmm. horse and buggy days, when our when our when our founding, uh, when the founders of the United States uh, wanted to try to create government of by and for the people. Well, there wasn't even a telephone. How, how could how could you do that? So they had to have town meetings, elect some people here, send them off by horse and buggy to a distant city, maybe to Philadelphia, and they had to govern for us. 
Well, Gary said, well, now with the internet, we can all meet in the same room, the global room. We don't need a middleman. We don't need a middleman. And when you create that middleman, they become a magnet for, for power and money. I mean, if, if you take the will of all the people in the United States and you concentrate the, the purse strings and everything in the hands of, you know, uh, of, 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 the, of the few members of Congress and, and, and a president, well, all the money is going to pour in on them. But if we decentralize it so that we, the people all of the world, have the power, well, if they want to buy us off, they've got to make life better for all of us. You know, it, we've, got to, we've got to stop having this broken system where we think that uh, we need representatives when, uh, when, when, when we can create this interactive system of uh, uh, where all of us can, can have a voice, can have a say. And, you know, it's, it's a matter, you know, we're stuck in these broken systems that were made back in the horse and buggy days. And everything else in the world has gone so far, you know, space travel and science and, and just amazing wonders, cell phones and all these things. And yet our political and economic systems are still stuck back centuries ago. And this whole capitalism versus socialism, neither of those are serving humanity. We need to evolve new systems. And we're starting to with, you know, people are, it used to be that currencies could only be created by governments. Now we're discovering, well, we can create cryptocurrencies. Gary was a leader starting that with, with the world dollar, the the kilowatt dollar back in 1950s. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, we're starting to realize that the systems we have that are destroying us, we're human created, that we can create something different. And really what Gary's primary point was not to give us all the answers, but to spark us to break out of the old thinking and, and encourage young people to start thinking about, well, how do we invent a better system? How do we invent a better way to run our world? You know, he wanted to give this message to young people to, uh, to shake up their thinking and help them realize, click our heels together and and realize we're the ones who have the power and that we have to just create something new. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. We need to create something new. Like I said before, the old ways of living, they don't work. All you have to do is look around you. Uh, it's quite simple. And I like what you said. I, heard, I, I put it in a different way. <clears throat> One gentleman I was talking to um, about the process of all of these uh, um, uh, institutions that we currently have, the current institutions. Um, and and uh, he basically said, you do not want to destroy the old institutions and build new ones. You want to build the new ones that make the old ones obsolete. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what Bucky Fuller said. And yeah. Gary was a great follower of Bucky Fuller and and he, uh, he hired one of Bucky Fuller's disciples to help in, invent his uh, synergistic system of, of global governance. So, yeah. uh, and, and now then his thinking went to evolve beyond that once the internet came into some even new ideas. So uh, he's an amazing, uh, amazing historic figure. He passed away in 2013, but you can watch his story at theworldismycountry.com and, and uh, be uplifted. And you can do that on Sunday, Sunday, the 5th of June, and that it will be at 1 p.m. Pacific time. And we certainly hope that you will uh, take advantage of the opportunity to stream it free uh, on that uh, Sunday at 1 p.m. to watch it uh, online and uh, enjoy it uh, and enjoy it in the uh, in, in the uh, uh, contents context in which it is intended. It's a it's a fun movie. I've seen it. A couple of times, as a matter of fact, and I hope that uh, I hope that folks will do that. And again, we will be linked to that website as well, not only before uh, the the uh, the live streaming, but also after, so people can get more information. And yeah. I'm going to work towards uh, I'm going to work towards getting my world passport, if you will, uh, right. because uh, 
I would, I think, I think I would probably have it, like you say, just to have it to say, Hey, I am a world citizen. Uh, I had my DNA checked and, um, after some uh, uh, processing by the uh, organization, the company that was doing the testing, I found out some very interesting things. Number one, I thought I was more Irish than it turns out I am, but that's okay. At least I'm Irish. I also found out I am actually 1% European Jew, Eastern European Jew for what that's worth. And then um, I found out that I have coursing through my veins, the blood of the indigenous peoples of both North, Central, and South America. So that was an eye-opener considering my philosophy and my, my standoffishness to uh, when I was living in Phoenix, of course, uh, surrounded by various reservations and lots of, of Indian uh, culture and what have you. I didn't feel like it was appropriate for me to have anything to do with the culture because I'm a white guy and, you know, I have no, and then it turns out, no, (laughs) you have every right to investigate because you are part of that clan. But I don't think that, uh, I don't think that DNA uh, allows you or disallows you uh, um, either way. I don't think it makes any difference what your DNA is. The fundamental thing is that we, we are at root one. And uh, we just have to come to that realization. And, and that opens up our power. That gives us more power to make the world we want to choose. So uh, it's, not, it's not to force us all into the same mold. It's to free us. Well, I want to thank you so much, Arthur, for joining us again here on the program. We have you back. And some might say, well, yeah, but he said the same thing last time. Well, the thing is, is that the message needs to be repeated uh, so that people get it and understand. Now, you still have free will. You can do whatever you want. We're not here to force anybody to do anything. That's not the point. The point is that it's important that we start looking. And that's why we have these ideas uh, placed on our, as we call it, Arthur, our smorgasbord table. And we ask people to come and partake of those things that that they can handle that that resonate with them and and then uh, take it away and study it and research it and then come back to the table again uh, to maybe try something new. I think that would be kind of cool to do. So I thank you so much for uh, thank you for for uh, uh, introducing our palates to the concept of being a world citizen. Thank you. Thank you. And you have a fantastic uh, weekend and, and look forward to seeing people Sunday. And you can also sign up right there on the website to have a interactive. Uh, you can join me in a QA and a with me if you want to get to talk to me more and ask me questions. You can join our, our weekly People Powered Planet uh, podcast, uh, where every week we explore how do we create a a people-powered planet from the bottom up. So join us. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, folks, um, we're going to uh, uh, talk with Arthur here in just a moment to ask him those three questions we ask all of our guests at the wrap-up of a program. But before we do that, I want to thank you, the listener and the viewer, for listening to and watching. Tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m. That's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We stream live at those times at richarddugan.com, and our podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, and many other locations. We are also on YouTube. 
and uh, you can watch these interviews. You can see the poster behind Arthur and and see Arthur for that matter and uh, have sort of an interactive experience in that regard. We also hope that you'll subscribe to the podcasts and videocast. And there's the reason why I am not interested nor concerned with the number of subscribers. I'm only interested and concerned with the information that gets out and that people will watch it. And to that end, when you subscribe, you will be notified every time a new podcast or videocast is posted. So please, if you can subscribe, you can subscribe anonymously. Uh, you know, I, I don't have to know who is subscribing. I kind of like to see the number. I'm at 72 subscribers and I've been podcasting Arthur and video casting uh, up on YouTube since um, I think it was like August or September of 2020. And I only have 72 subscribers, but you know what? I've got a lot of people who aren't subscribing, but they are watching and listening. So that's exciting. And uh, we also ask that if you can support the work that we're doing, folks, we'd appreciate it. We have a PayPal account. It is for your security as well as ours. All you have to do is go to richarddugan.com, scroll down a little bit. There's a PayPal link, click on it, and boom, you can support us financially with any amount. We will take energetic support as well. Good thoughts and prayers and, and so forth. And we also hope that you will participate in the decade of perfect vision. We ask you to go within and uh, spend time in that quiet, still, calm, peaceful place, listening to that still, small voice, your higher self. And with that, Arthur, we asked those three final questions. We asked you the last couple of times you've been on the program, and the answers might change. They do sometimes from, from uh, appearance to appearance. So the first of the three questions is, who is Arthur Kanegas. Well, Arthur Kanegas is a boy who, uh, when I was little, said, Daddy, uh, why don't they take all the guns and melt them down and turn them into doorknobs? I was three years old. And ever since then, I've been trying to figure out how do we open the doors to peace? So I've been on a lifelong mission to, uh, to open those doors for us. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? Well, I really hope to keep the planet from terminating itself. You know, I remember during the Cuban Missile Crisis, we were told uh, to go uh, hide under our desks, and I refused. I said, look, we're in Washington, D.C. Have you seen the Hiroshima pictures? Uh, this Bill school building is not going to be here. What do you mean hide under our desks? We've got to prevent nuclear war, not fight it, not try to uh, try to hide from it. And uh, it's to come out of our hiding and to actually uh, prevent the destruction of the world and actually find a way that we have the power to literally uh, not just talk about peace, just pray for peace, beg for peace, but actually make peace in our world. And finally, what is your life's purpose? Well, my life's purpose is to uh, help inspire and bring people together and give them hope and to really light that spark in them, to, to light that spark in young people that, uh, uh, hey, there is a better way and, and to do it through the power of story. Uh, you know, Martin Sheen wants us to turn Gary's book into an ongoing series. Uh, we'd love to create a vision. I think, I think more than anything else, we are pulled to the visions. And if we can imagine it, we can do it. And so I want to use the power of, of mass media and movies and so on to create a vision of the world we want and help that, that vision draw people to it. It's like creating, like you said, creating that, uh, that new story and drawing people to it, that new invention, not fighting the old system just creating a vision of something so powerful that everybody wants to jump aboard. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as I've used the analogy of a lifeboat, 
you know what? There's more than enough room for 8 billion people. <clears throat> the only criterion is that you cannot bring with you the ideas and the ways of doing thing, doing things the way we're doing them now. You've got the to baggage. let them go. You got to, you got to, you got to let that that baggage has all got to go overboard. That, absolutely. Afford, this light post got room for everybody, but it doesn't have room for that baggage. No, not at all, not at all. But we will, we will buy new clothes and we'll build new buildings and we'll, we'll make the world a better place for all people. And I do believe that's possible. It's not uh, naive or idealistic or Pollyanna. It's real. Yep, absolutely. Once again, Arthur, thank you so much, Arthur Kanagas, who is the director producer um, uh, of the movie The World Is My Country. Go to theworldismycountry.com and click on the link to uh, stream it live at 1 p.m. Sunday, June 5th. And I'm Richard Dugan, and I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast love to love.